It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. There's sex appeal and there's sax appeal. Well, both have been part of Las Vegas entertainment for decades. And continuing the tradition of sax appeal is my guest, Billboard charting saxophonist Patrick Lamb. He's performing at Gambit in Henderson this Saturday, August 19th at 9 p.m. For ticket information, go to gambithenderson.com. And for everything about Patrick Lamb, go to patricklamb.com. And you can follow him on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Apple Music. And Patrick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. This is going to be a great uh, convo. I'm excited about coming to town, and we've got uh, a lot of friends there I haven't seen in a long time. And um, plus, this is kind of a a, a new, uh, just a new a new thing for me because I've been touring with, with so many other people for so long. And really, uh, but what I've really learned is creating a, a solo career is a totally different thing. People are like, <laughs> well, I thought you with, you know, Dino Vanelli or Bobby Caldwell or Diane Scher. Why? Well, he was great, but, you know, why would I go see Patrick? You know, there's <laughs> an element of, of uh, just keeping it real here, you know, having to uh, somehow connect because we're in the, we're in the, we're in the, the business of connection, you know, uh, the happiness business, if you will. So, we're we're uh i'm looking forward to connecting with people but there's a lot of people out there who don't really know what it is i do live on, on my own so i'm really truly excited about that because we wherever we go it doesn't matter we've had this is the first year that i've been going to different cities and doing you know shows shows on my own like we just played spagatini as my debut show sold out we we uh played uh middle c uh, the second time, the first time was kind of like, you know, lukewarm, like, who is, who is this person? <laughs> second time was sold out. And then, uh, you know, playing uh, Funky Biscuit, you know, packed, uh, playing, um, uh, you know, different places on my own. So it's, ex- it's exciting. And, you know, I have a really f- uh, funkified kind of more, I, I would say, our, um, almost R&B leaning show. So it's, uh, it's super fun. And I can't wait to see you guys. Well, it's funny because you just started, before I even had a question, you had you answered nine of them. So let me get to my 10th question. <laughs> hey, thanks, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> now, the first thing you said I want to pick up on, because you've been performing with a lot of different people, and I'm going to explain why in a second, but why go see Patrick? What is it about you that's so unique that we want to hear you and see you and hear you perform and connect with you since you brought it up? You know, you've got unique qualities. Let's face it; that's why you're you're touring. Well, I'll leave, leave that up to you to decide. <laughs> I can't tell you. I can't tell you. I give music and I give life two hundred percent. You know, so right. so I know. I'm. I love the material. I love the musicians that I'm. I'm blessed to play with. Um, like one of them is uh, Johnny Friday. I know you know him, and you know we toured with Bobby Caldwell. So you know this. It's a. It's a small. Really, in the big scheme of things, a small team of people that 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 run that are running in behind the scenes of the touring professional world. So it's great to connect with those people in that context too, because sure. you know you come onto these gigs, you know, Smokey Robinson or whatever is sort of a hired gun, you know, which is super fun. In fact, 
there's an element of that that I love more than anything else because I'm a producer. You know, I've, I put together shows. I run jazz at the Oxford and Bend, Oregon uh, for the last 13 years. So I, I fly on the, you know, everybody from Arturo Sandoval to the late great Joey DeFrancesco, Diane Schur. So I come at it from that side. So I love just showing up as a high-end mercenary and I'm just, (laughs) (laughs) you know, same backgrounds. A lot of people don't, a lot of people don't know that your first gig out of college was actually with Diane Shore, who was a guest on my show several years ago. But the, the overarching question I wanted to ask you, and, and that's why I wanted to have you on is why the sax as opposed to any other instrument, what, what got you into sax? What was the appeal and how did you stick with it after all these years? Well, when you're when you're coming up, I, I don't think. Well, I could just speak for myself. I didn't, you know, I don't. I wasn't thinking of those things, you know, when I'm 13 and 14. You know, nobody comes and knocks on your door when you're 13 and goes, "Hey, Ira, would you like to play the flute?" You know, <laughs> that's 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 why I'm a big proponent of the big of uh, beginning band programs because, ironically enough, Chris Bodie and I have the same beginning band teacher. And he's he's a little, obviously a little, he's a little more seasoned than I am, but, but I wasn't, you know, in the same time frame. but uh, Mr. Robert Ernst was, uh, was, was the instigator, you know, so it always takes that one, one person. For me, I was moving every uh, year in the South, like I'm from the South. Uh, so I, I was born in Jackson, Mississippi, I try to make this, you know, short and sweet, but no, it's okay. But you uh, moved like 12 times though, right? And by the time yeah, you were thirteen, I, I still got to ask my 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 um uh, my parents why we moved so much because you know I still know the answer to that question. We they were teachers. We we lived in like uh, rural Mississippi. If any of mm-hmm. you out there have been there, you know what that's like. I mean, to look at me now, it's like the last thing you would expect <laughs> to see. Not that I'm whatever, but <laughs> you would just not expect me to be from Boyle, Mississippi. I mean, Boyle, Raymond, Cleveland, Mendenhall. All the big cities. You know, sure. My stepdad taught at Delta State. So we, they were very small, you know, flat. You know, we lived next to a cotton field. I walked to school. You know, I was like one of, one out of two white kids in the in the Boyle Elementary where, where I went to first and second grade. So. Anyway, to make a, make a long story short, short back to your question. So, we moved and moved and moved. Then my stepdad got a teaching job at uh, in the Northwest at uh, called Oregon Episcopal School, which is one of the best schools. They're actually in 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 well in the area, the nation. Some some people would say. And so, but we he couldn't afford to send me there when we went there. It's like a really expensive school. So. He couldn't afford to send me there, so he's so they sent me to Cedar Park and the public school. And ironically, Cedar Park had a music program, and Oregon Episcopal did not. So it's just funny; you can never understand how what you think is for your demise is actually for your <laughs> blessings. Sometimes so they had a big band program, and um, my parents were always late. Like, I don't know. I was always like the new guy coming to the school. So yeah. I mean, school. Do you have a, out of curiosity, do you have a, a, a Beacons frequent mover card or anything like that? I do not. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just with having to move all those times, I just thought you might have one of those things. That's a joke. But yeah. yeah it didn't work I'm, well, I'm but sorry. it's okay. <laughs> I didn't pass the intelligence test on that one. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but we, uh, so yeah, we moved. 
to Port uh, to Portland and uh, Oregon, and and they were all in school at Cedar Park, and uh, and it's like this is what I remember about my, my childhood. I'm, I was always like the the new guy late enrolling in school, mm-hmm. um, so I had like n- no friends, right? And everybody else had already had already uh, um, you know chosen what they wanted to play. Right, pretty much. So, so I, I remember coming into class, and uh, re- remember being late to class uh, for whatever reason. And and there was like nine trumpet players, sixteen drummers, or there were you know everybody wants to play the loud instrument. So there, the only thing left to play was like some. He needed a clarinet and a saxophone, and so I tried clarinet. I didn't like it, and then I picked up the saxophone, and then uh, that was just something that. I, I found I could do the only thing. That I knew. <laughs> <laughs> and so I started playing um, uh, saxophone. Um, I went through all the books. So I was like, wow, yeah, I might actually be good at something. And um, <laughs> I'm going to keep this super short. No, like, it's fine. Know, but we, you know, so I went through all the books really quickly. My stepdad's a musician, played piano. He, he came back one day. He's like, oh, you think you're pretty good here? Don't you? So he brought me this thing called the Charlie Parker Omnibook, which is like a transcription of Charlie Parker solos. He said, "Here, you play, start, you know, learn that." And then, and so actually, I started working on that, and then, um, then I started going out to jam sessions uh, locally, and then through that is really how you sort of get a a name, or if that's the you know the ether of the music business. Like, how does how do you get these tours? I don't know. People talk about you, they get your number. And then you get mm-hmm. a call. And that's what happened with Diane Shore. I got a call somewhere into that. I've, I've been going to jam sessions a couple of years. And um, somehow, um, well, this this uh, a friend of mine named Tim Bryson had a big corporate gig he couldn't get out of. And he said, hey, Patrick, I've got this gig with this uh, this this lady named Diane Shore. I was like, huh? <laughs> I don't know. And, uh, and so he, uh, um, anyway, to make a long story short, I talked to her manager. He sent me her records and they had Stan Getz solos all over them. So that was my first clue. So I transcribed all of those. My first gig was at Snitzer Hall, uh, sold out after like her second Grammy scared me half to death. You know, I was like, wow, I've never experienced that. And then, um, she put me on a bunch of dates after that. Then I've, since then I've either been touring with her or Bobby Caldwell or, Gino Vanelli. I did some stuff with Jeff Lorber Fusion for a while as a sub, um, and uh, that's that's a long story made short. Well, and now I mean you've been touring and you're coming to Las Vegas again. I mentioned uh, you're going to Gambit in Henderson uh, this Saturday, August nineteenth. Is this your first time performing in Las Vegas, or have you performed before? Well, ironically, I've, I've played there before with uh, Gino Vanelli. Was my first gig there at. One of the large, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of it. Is it the uh, the Smith Center? I, I, I can't, I can't even remember the the name of it. Uh, but it was with Gino Vanelli, big, big hall. Yeah, it's probably skit. probably a Smith Center in downtown um, Las Vegas. Yeah, so that was the first big Art Deco building. Yeah, Smith mm-hmm. Center for the performing arts, right? So you've had so that, some yeah. you, you've had some experience performing here. Do you like Las Vegas? And could you see yourself doing a residency here, so you wouldn't have to tour? Or do you like the the touring? Is it just keep you fresh all the time because you're going into different venues and locales? I think you know 
the more I the more I've toured, I've been touring so long. I think it's important to to uh, be exposed to all kinds of different elements. And so, uh, you know, I mean, that's it. That being said, everybody likes steady cash, right? Yeah, but, of course. But, but um, I mean, I'm super busy, and you know, I live on the beach with my other half. So, like right now, I'm looking out over the beach in a pool. That's where, where my like I sold my place in um, in Oregon, which is just rainy, you know. And I did all the Oregon stuff. I ran the hood the coast. I climbed them out of hood, you know. I did the hundred mile run. I try to stay healthy. Here, I'll just I'm gonna do it real slow. I'm just gonna show you a little bit, like so. That's okay for our listeners. Uh, he's yeah. showing me the ah, oh, nice. There's the pool. Now I always wondered why people that live at the ocean or at the beach have a pool when they have the ocean i'm sure there's a reason for it i just never could figure that out well you know you get some salt water you get fresh water um, <laughs> <laughs> no that makes sense does it inspire you though in terms of, of when you're working on stuff does it inspire you to look out and see the ocean or the beach it does yeah and you know what i learned is from living in oregon for so long is that i'm really a beach boy who's Never had a beach. And so I'm <laughs> really active, you know, like down here in Palm Beach where I live now, I, I play soccer almost every day, you know, and every a, there's a very high level of soccer down here. If people don't know. And no, I didn't know. Yeah. I mean, everybody has been playing soccer since they were like six months, six months old. Well, do they play soccer? Well, do they play soccer on the sand or on a, on a hard surface? Or grass or indoor soccer. Okay. No, if if you haven't been down here right now, it's hot. <laughs> it's very, very hot. Very, very, very hot. Um, so you'd want to play indoors, indoor soccer. Right. No, that makes sense. But have you thought though, Patrick, of combining your your two passions and playing soccer while you're playing the sax? Could that work out? I mean, it's a little different breathing, but what do you think? I think I need all my teeth and fingers. I took some boxing for a little bit. I played rugby for a little bit for Oregon, but I was the smallest guy on the team. And, uh, you know, I could certainly tackle people, but my shoulders would never feel the same. And Sure. I, I, I was, you know, and Does that keep you in just, shape for touring, playing soccer? Yeah. I mean, I think um, – you're a a an athlete if you don't know it if you're a musician i mean whether you play trumpet or sax especially drummers you know yeah i think it's super important it's just important no matter what i mean your your health is your wealth you know so it just and all it takes is some some little thing like try not being able to you know right see a one eye for a week or your your leg uh you know Break your foot. Or your lip gets swollen from a a a bug bite or something. Yeah, a wasp sting. That would be hard. I'm really conscious of that. Um, I mean, I'm I'm a weird musician. I don't drink or smoke. You know, or (laughs) thirty years ago, I put all that away. You know, know, I don't know. Do you try to eat healthy while you're on the road too? Because of the your oh yeah yeah. I try. (laughs) You try, and it's hard. I try. It's it's um it's hard. It's just a kind of discipline, you know, uh, you either I kind of go on and off the road, good eating road discipline, um, because, I mean, they bring in all these like, you know, great food and like with Gino Vanelli's tour and like, you know, 
cakes and cookies. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's tough. Just, it's, yeah. You walk in, yeah. but I, I I try to stay off of it. Like in the morning, I typically have like a nice shake with like you know collagen protein, uh, you know, put into it. And yeah, you you look good. So obviously, it, it's working for you, especially because you're touring and you you don't look exhausted or fatigued or any of that stuff. I do my best. You yeah, know, no, no, that makes sense. Did you do you um when you plan out a show? And obviously, you know, you're feeling good, you're working, you're touring, and now you, you're planning a, a, a show, for example, the one here in Henderson. Do you go in a certain direction or do you mix it up and offer different types of genres of music? What's your approach to music? I guess that's probably the question. I preceded the question with a too complicated question, so I'll make it simple. As you like to say, I'll keep it short, which is, what kind of music do you like to play and what are you going to be playing at Gambit? Well, I, I just want to have fun, you know. Like, I mean, really, the, and that, I'm going to oversimplify it, but, you know, we're, and some jazz musicians miss this. Uh, it's like we're we're in the happiness and connection business, you know, with, with if you have a business or if you want to have a business or if you want to make any money. Uh, so, you know, it's it's like the where the two circles that are connect. So you want to do the stuff that you love, right? And you want to have stuff that <laughs> that your audience loves. For me, when I'm coming to town, I want to bring something that's an indication because you got this short amount of time to convey like where you're coming from as an artist. And for me, um, I mean, I, I've toured internationally doing straight ahead. So, but I really love funk, you know, and soul music. Uh, and so if you try to find some, what, what do you call that? The, there's a word for it, you know, the Venn diagram <laughs> where. Well, all of your influences and then the happiness of the love of the people and what they love, you know, because because if you if you go off too far of what the of their circle, you know, you're not going to get asked back and nothing much is going to happen. So you want to be in the nexus of it all. You know, that, that's it. You want to be there where you're you're doing enough to please you, but also enough to please the audience. They want you to come back again. Yeah, it's a happy little zip code in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I try to do that. Um, and it's not that's not a it's not a selling out thing. It's just an intelligence, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it's I mean, if you're a full time musician, there's no doubt there's like thousands of songs that you can bring to bear. I mean, just in the straight ahead, for example. I mean, there's you know, it's limitless, right? And then, but uh, yeah, just connecting with people. Yeah, and uh, for me, stuff that gets me going is stuff that has, uh, you know, like I'm trying to simplify, but just like you know, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Souls, changes some church in it. If it's too boring, if if it's too boring, I mean, I, I get bored and it's not fun for me. And right. so I'll, you know, it's got to have some sophistication, some church in it, you know. Um, so most of my music has has that. It has uh, some has a little church in it. Uh, has some kind of Earth, Wind, Fire, Soul, Stew, uh, you know, a harmonic value mm -hmm. to it. Religion and, with uh, a swing, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I try to bring something that's that's fun for me and that hopefully conveys as much as I can in the ninety minutes, which is that's a challenge. That's a whole art form. The set list, you know, the set list, not an easy thing to to accomplish to to come up with the perfect set list. There's whole books on it, you know. <laughs> If if but, you want if yeah there's um there's there's books on on the the uh, formation of a set list the psychology the 
I mean, you don't want to overthink it, but it's interesting. Mm -hmm. you know, Patrick, though, if you were performing with the set list and you got a sense of the audience that it wanted to go in a different direction, do you have any problems getting off that set list and just improvising? Not at all. So, you know, I, t I tend to see what people are vibing off of, you know, play a couple of songs, and then I can tell within pretty short order, and then I just kind of, you know, lean right or lean left. So, you know. But the set list, uh, if if you come up with a really great set list, that tends to work to work for most most people, mm -hmm. you know. So, you have uh, fun with your shows, and you could tell if you ever catch it or see an interview with Patrick. There's an element of fun that's always there, and I think that's part of your personality, let alone presentation on the stage. Have you ever had to do a performance where you couldn't? exhibit any fun or do you get to i mean obviously when you're working for others oh my god <laughs> I, I you know it's funny i have i i can't out of respect i'm not going to mention the name right but i'll just i'll tell you so sure. so i was at the bird's basement in in australia playing with a a, a certain artist and on tour and um it was one of my first tours with this artist and you know, my style is like, you know, I want to clap my hands. I want to get people going. Come on, clap your hands. That's, you know, <laughs> is that church? <laughs> and on the break, on the break, he took me inside. He said, "Hey, we don't, we don't, um, we don't do that. There's no, you know, no, no that clapping. <laughs> uh, we let the music speak for itself. You know, so there is, you know, there is that. There's so um, you asked, and that, that yeah, that's that's something that comes to mind. I mean, there's definitely yeah. people out there who don't don't believe in transmuting joy. <laughs> well, what they do is they, they take their music seriously, but they also take themselves seriously. So as a result, there are those artists that just you have to go and admire the talent and the skill, but you don't get necessarily the fun or the personality. Yeah, you know, and to each to each his own. Sure. Um, but you know, everything choice you you have has its own ramification, has its own um, result. Right. You know? Right. So if you, for me, for me, if you're not conscious of you know the people and you know if they don't come and they're not just over the moon, you know when they leave, if they're not going, oh my god, that was fantastic. You know, if they leave and they're just like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. That's like the kiss of death, you know. You know? <laughs> Do you get a chance usually to meet with the audience after the show? Yeah, I tried to right. for sure. And sign CDs, you know. We, you know, some people don't do that either, surprisingly. But you know, I bring CDs to every show, and uh, I enjoy meeting meeting people. I mean, it's a people business, so it you, is. You uh, and I, I like meeting people, and um, you know, it's cliche cliche for isn't the Music is such a universal language, so mm -hmm. it's something we can all jump into together. Are you working on a new CD? Always. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> or a new album. I like People call it albums. Yeah. Some people call it CD. And you've got a home studio because I know you worked out of there during COVID as well. So are you always recording as well as preparing for the next tour? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I. it's interesting because I... When I was in Portland, I, I was I'm an entrepreneur too, so I started a ticket company, and then um, that that did very very well. But it took up like 
you know, half of my life, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, calling people, working with clients, like the Safeway Waterfront Blues Festival, the largest festival on the, on the West Coast. So my company did that. We did about $50 million over, uh, before it changed hands. And um, it's great for me to just work on music now, you know. Yeah, I'll show you real slowly here, where like what kind of what my setup here is okay, kind of what it looks great. like. So for the people who are listening, some great equipment. Look at that. You know. Yeah. So that this is kind of my my setup here. Yeah. So you can get you can do everything you can do everything at home. Except pretty, well, except tour. Much. There's no there's no um, substitute for like a fantastic drummer, but. You know, I'll send tracks to Gordon Campbell or, you know, there's, I mean, there's Michael White, they're set up like, you know, they'll send you back like the perfect track that sounds perfect. Now, I remember, I remember that on this last uh, track, Everybody Get Up, that I, I, my first self-produced project and mm -hmm. it just came under Billboard. It didn't quite, you know, hit Billboard, but, you know, I have three Billboard top five uh, hits. So, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta go for it. So. I love the track. Everybody get up. It's kind of a party, party groove, you know. And um, but I sent the the track to Gordon Campbell, and it was he sent me back uh, like two takes overnight. And I was try as I might, I could not find anything wrong with it. You know? <laughs> I was like, that good? I was like that's good. <laughs> like, hey, well, that's a wrap. I mean, that's, that's like, yeah. Like man, sick. How did you do? How did you do that? Just you know, I mean, they've been doing it so long. They can kind of, they can tell by what type of music is. You know how much you know, the fills or whatever that's supposed to take place, and they just knock it out. So yeah, Gordon Campbell's on my last one. Chris Big Dog Davis, um, and then uh, of course me on saxophone, and I record that right here. So yeah, it's it's great. I love it. So in that role, are you also the producer as well as the performer? Yes, it's the first track I put out that I'm the producer, and people love it. So I'm gonna start honing in on kind of my more R and B zone, I think, because that's what I really dig, and that's what that's what a lot of the listeners really dig. Kind of the urban uh, urban funkadelic zone. I don't know I can go there. So that's going to be fun, you know. <laughs> well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Billboard charting saxophonist Patrick Lamb. He's performing at Gambit in Henderson this Saturday, August 19th at 9 p.m. For ticket information, go to gambithenderson.com. And for everything about Patrick Lamb, go to patricklamb.com. You could follow him on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Apple Music. And Patrick, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much. Can't wait to see you guys out at Gambit. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Yeah.